Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Gals Chat Podcast. This is your co-host, Amy. And this is your co-host, Lara. In today's episode of the podcast, we're interviewing Grace McJones, who's going to talk to us about how to future-proof your career for the upcoming fourth and fifth industrial revolutions. This episode is sponsored by Steel Chic Shoes, who offer women's fashionable steel toe shoes. Not only are they certified to meet OSHA standards, but they are lightweight and comfortable. The shoes are designed to look good and keep you safe so you can confidently walk your own path. Steel Chic has a special offer for all Gals Chat listeners and guests. Use promo code ENGINEERINGGALS to get free shipping and a free water bottle when you purchase a pair of shoes. Now let's introduce this week's guest. Grace McJones is a Nigerian-American technologist, mentor, podcaster, and Azure customer engineer at Microsoft. She is a STEM inclusion advocate for women of color and underrepresented groups. She is passionate about democratizing technology through mentoring students, speaking at tech events, and volunteering with tech organizations such as Black Girls Code, Women Who Code, Chic Tech, and Digi Girls. Grace is also the host of the Tech Unlocked podcast, which aims to demystify and diversify the tech industry by giving people of color the keys they need to unlock their successful tech career. Hey, Grace. Hey, excited to be here. Thanks, Amy and Lara. Hi, Grace. It was really nice having you on the podcast. We're really excited to get to know you more and introduce you more to our listeners and our community. Uh, It's really great to meet more amazing women in tech, especially, you know, like I feel like cloud engineering is something that doesn't get talked talked a lot about. So let's jump right into it and let's have you talk to us a little bit more about yourself. Tell us about your story and how you ended up, you know, uh, in this world of the tech industry and a cloud engineer. Yeah, um, that's a great question. And I feel like it's something that probably will take two hours, but I'll condense it (laughs) since I know we're short on time. So the short version of, I guess, how I like to share my story is that I was born in Nigeria, raised in Virginia and educated in Texas and currently work in Seattle at Microsoft. And technology was something that I discovered late in my life, unlike people who work Maybe in tech and, you know, grew up coding and coding in your sleep or coding when they were five years old. That was definitely not me. Um, I would say initially, I feel like most people, I didn't really knew, I didn't really know what I wanted to do when I grew up, right? It's always a thing of, um, okay, just try whatever, you know, and see what it, it looks like. And that's different because I grew up with African parents and usually if you are African, if you have African friends, it's kind of like three choices that you have. You can either be an engineer, a lawyer, or a doctor. I think it's also the same thing, maybe in the brown community. Um, but thankfully, my parents didn't really like force me to a certain career because um, they already saw that I was driven. And so in college, initially, I wanted to study. I was actually studying international um, business or international relations because I love traveling. I wanted to help people. So I'm like, hmm, maybe it'd be cool to be an ambassador someday. Um, But then I took a year or so off of college because, let's be honest, it was expensive. I didn't really save for college, uh, neither did my parents. Uh, But I think for me, taking that time off, I got into um, graphic design, photography, that creative world. And it just got me thinking one day. I don't know what I was editing on my computer, but I think I was working on Photoshop. And I was like, wow, like without the software, like I wouldn't have a job, you know, like this is so cool. 
And I went on Google and I was like, how was Photoshop created? And it was like, it was created by this programming language. And I'm like, what the heck is a programming language? You know, this is me as a grown adult <laughs> doing this online. Um, and then I just got really curious. And what I found really intrigued me, I'm like, wow, so this is what like programmers do and things like that. And so when I did return back to college, I decided to change my major to be a computer scientist. Um, I, I, honestly, I wanted to do more of the creative stuff and the website, web design, and all that stuff. But here I'm here I am as a college engineer. Um, but it's been good so far. I definitely have learned a lot um, along this journey, but uh, I'm excited to be where I'm at in my career. That's really exciting. I mean, I think more people should, you know, have that time, that flexibility to really play around. And I think you were able to end up in this one um, role or industry or with uh, your engineering degree because you took that time to explore the things that, I mean, you were doing for fun or that you enjoy, like the whole graphic design and Photoshop. And I, I mean, I totally agree. I really love, like, I feel like Adobe software was actually what got me really interested into understanding more of the tech world. Mm -hmm. So I feel you on that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's like, it's about that trial and error. And it seems like that taking that break really like, you know, at the end of the day kind of launched you forward in this space. And what is a cloud engineer? I'm pretty sure you get that a lot. I don't really know that many cloud engineers. And I'm always curious, like, what does that really mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, do you do a lot of programming or? Yeah, what is it really? I, I yeah. think, you know, and this is so funny. I, I think for me, a lot of people, that is still a new term if you're not in tech. Because I, I feel like software engineering, everybody gets it, you know, or coding, and funny enough, I remember being in Vancouver one time and talking to my Uber driver and he was like, what do you do? And I was like, I work in tech. And he's like, what do you do in tech? And I was like, I'm a cloud engineer. And he was like, oh, so you work for, you know, the Weather Channel. And I was like, <laughs> wait, what? Uh, like, yeah, that's exactly what I, I do. I was like, oh, not that no, cloud. <laughs> not that cloud, sir. Um, and I was just kind of like, oh my gosh, like, because then I think I forget because usually like in Seattle, you're your own bubble, people know what you mean, because that's the, you know, industry of the city tech. Um, and right. so obviously, I'm going to try and break it down like I did. I was like, oh, well, you know, like you have an iPhone. He was like, yeah, um, you have iCloud. He was like, yeah. So basically, I work in that field. But, you know, talking about from a you know a bigger scale um with microsoft and it's called azure so basically a cloud is just somebody else's server or somebody else's computer um and why this technology is important is because it has on-demand availability so think about all the things that you love like right now we're recording on this amazing mm -hmm. software but it's based on the cloud um and so your google drive netflix um I think even Microsoft, like Office and all the stuff now it's on the cloud because it's readily available to you and you could access them on any device, right? You don't have to be on a specific computer or whatnot. Like you can open up, you know, Google Drive on your phone or your computer. And so basically I told people the, the cloud is just a bunch of different product or services that is available to you um, at any different time. And so that's definitely a really small definition is definitely a much grand definition, but in order to make it more, I think, relatable or to to make it more um, understandable, that's how I like to describe it. And so there are different types of um, role that goes into this career. So you can be either a cloud engineer, um, you can work in DevOps, you can work um, as a cloud architect, 
and there, there's just there, there's so many that goes into the career field so cloud engineer is just an umbrella term um in general to show what specific tech you know role that you work in a product that you work in um and right now microsoft azure is one of the biggest cloud providers and then you have AWS, Amazon Web Services, and then you have GCP, Google Cloud Platform. So these are the top three in the industry and the cloud industry is like a billion dollar industry. Um, so yeah, hopefully that helps break things down. Yeah, definitely. And then, so when you're working as a cloud engineer, I, I don't know if you were saying, but do you do a lot of programming or is there coding involved at all in this position? So for my position, actually, this is uh, a different position that was created really fairly newly um, about three years ago. And so this was something that, you know, when I was in college, I didn't take one cloud computing <laughs> class, you know. And so this is just a testament of how fast technology moves and changes. But the basics for programming were still there and were a requirement for what I do now. Uh, in my day job, there's not a lot of programming that goes into place. My focus is primarily on our Azure or cloud customers, um, making sure that they are um, on, you know, on block from any situations that they're facing, whether with deploying their, when I mean deploying, like putting their stuff on the cloud. Um, and and I work closely with the product group um, and several teams within Microsoft. And so it's a, it's a role where you have to be communicative um, with different groups within the company. Um, and then looking at, I mean, we do have to read and understand code so we can help people who are having issues with their code that are in the cloud. Um, and yeah, that's pretty, I think pretty much about it on the high level. That's really cool. I mean, yeah, not definitely not my field, <laughs> but it's really cool to learn about. When you got started, I mean, did you see other like non-traditional careers in the tech industry? To be honest, I going to college, I, I think for what I was told by professors were like, hey, you can become a software engineer. Um, we didn't even talk about program or product management a lot, but it's just obviously if you're getting a CS degree, it's you're becoming an uh, engineer. Um, and so for me, it definitely took time to just do my personal research and say, like, okay, what else is out there? And I wasn't really sure about all the, the options that existed until I went to the Grace Hopper conference, which is one of the largest conference women in computing. Um, going there senior year and like meeting a lot of amazing women working on amazing products, amazing, amazing research and, and things like that. And so I think that exposure for me gave me even the the extra boost that I needed to continue looking for jobs because I was a senior, I didn't have a job, didn't have nothing. And I was like, you know what, like maybe, because I never really thought about working at Microsoft because a big company like Microsoft never came to recruit at my school. Um, Facebook didn't come either. Nobody came. <laughs> so it was me having to do that work of really reaching out and seeking out what I wanted in a career and going to that conference really helped put me around the right people or around the right women. Um, and so uh, you asked about other jobs outside of coding was that right yeah any other like non-traditional jobs that are kind of you know advocated for and when you're in high school yeah um so other jobs are exist usually you can be a technical writer um a lot of the products that you use obviously comes with like either a documentation or a manual of how to use it I mean, mm -hmm. I don't think anybody opens the manual to their iPhone anymore because it's kind of intuitive. Right. Um, but if you're using stuff on the cloud or even um, using things that might require, like like it's a new technology, there are people who write those documentation. And um, that's something that doesn't require you to 
know how to code. It may require you to be technical in terms of like maybe going through the process of maybe a tutorial or a specific um, doc to actually show people how to do it. But that's one thing that people don't really know about. Like if you're a writer or you like writing blog posts or things like that, that's a career that I would definitely advise you to go into. And obviously there's technical recruiting. There are people who recruit for different roles within tech. That's not technical at all. It doesn't require you to learn how to code. Um, there's also marketing, uh, marketing products within tech. Uh, and usually I think that any career that you can find elsewhere, uh, it exists within tech, but it's not really talked about a lot. I don't know why, but I feel like there's a lot of opportunity to grow because tech pays really, really, really well. Um, mm-hmm. so that's some careers to, to consider. Yeah. Gosh, I didn't think about technical, you know, documentation writers because, I mean, but it totally makes sense. I remember, you know, when I bought a theme for my site and I had to go through the documentation, I'm like, who put all this together? And now that you mentioned it, it's like, yeah. huh, I guess they have specific technical like writers that put all these documents together. Like mm-hmm. these are pages on basically how to like implement the technology that the software developers create, which I think is pretty cool. And it, it definitely takes a certain level of skill and attention to detail and, you know, word description <laughs> to allow other people to be able to follow instructions. For sure. So that's For pretty sure. cool. <laughs> yeah, I totally can relate. I had to create this program. So I coded this entire program for our office to use. And I was like, okay, good. I did it. I finally learned how to code. I taught myself the language, created the program. And I was like, okay, I'm done. (laughs) And my boss was like, no, you need to create instructions now on how to use this, you know, this piece of technology. And I was like, oh, wow. Mm. I didn't even think about that. And you just reminded me of that, you know? Yeah. But earlier you were saying that, you know, when you were at school, you didn't really see Microsoft recruiters there and other tech companies. So how did you get your foot into the door with uh, Microsoft in terms of like getting a job after you graduated? Yeah, um, like I mentioned, it wasn't really, there wasn't a lot of like inner effort of people like coming because I went to a small state college in Texas um, and and there weren't obviously a lot of women in my class. I think there was another Filipino like girl in my class and we became like really close friends because there's nobody else uh so it was a lot of like you know manual work in terms of like reaching out I didn't even have like a network like what is LinkedIn like I don't know because we didn't really talk about stuff like that um but like I said there's a lot of pressure that comes with graduation time because you're just kind of like okay like I've worked so hard you know for the past few years and I want to make sure that I land somewhere uh but personally for me I wasn't before I went to the Grace Hopper conference, I wasn't really as pressed because I'm like, okay, there are people who get degrees in certain things, but do something different. And so I'm like, oh, I can always do like design and photography. Obviously there's nothing wrong with that if people do that. But uh, after going to the conference, I was like, I kind of owe it to myself to work harder in terms of like looking for a job and knowing that, okay, there might be a place for me after seeing those amazing women sharing their research, their work and things like that. Um, so at Grace Hopper, I... Talked to a lot of recruiters and things like that, but how I learned about like Microsoft, quote unquote, in terms of opportunity was when I went to a uh, Google uh, meet and greet, uh, which was hosted for women of color. I remember I was like the first person in line um, and a lady came up to me and she's like, hey, do you know when this conference, I mean, this, you know, meetup starts? And I was like, no, I'm just here just in case. Um, I don't want to be like in line and 
they don't have enough space. So basically, we just started talking, and she's like, are you a student? Like, what do you do? And I told her, um, and she's like, do you know what you want to do when you graduate? And I was like, I... I was like, lady, I really don't know what I'm doing. Um, and <laughs> that's YouTube, why I'm here. <laughs> exactly. I was like, sis, that's why I'm here. Like, you know, but I usually I'm not that like honest. And I'm say honest, that transparent with strangers. Obviously, you don't tell people you don't know what you do with your life. You know, that's kind of a lot. But yeah. And then she's like, oh, have you heard about like, you know, apprenticeship program and Microsoft? And I haven't actually heard about apprenticeships. Like we all know about internship. Like that's the big thing that is pushed. And she basically told me about this apprenticeship program at Microsoft called Leap. And she's like, you should look into it. I'm like, okay, cool. Um, I just thought it was under conversation, like I said, because I've had conversations with a lot of recruiters at that time. But then what was unique about this conversation was that she was like, hey, are you on LinkedIn? I was like, yeah, kind of embarrassed because my LinkedIn wasn't popping or anything. And so she's like, let me introduce you to the business program manager. And she did, and she wrote a whole paragraph, like, hey, like, meet Grace, she's an ambitious, like, college student doing this and that, like, a whole paragraph, I don't know this woman from anywhere, and I was just like, wow, like, I, I was so overwhelmed by her kindness and whatnot, but long story short, um, reached out, connected to the business program manager, learned more about the program, applied, did the interview, um, graduated college in 2017 in December, and then moved to Seattle 2018 in February, so that's how fast things went. Um, and then I've been at Microsoft ever since. Wow. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> the power of networking, right? Yeah. Just knowing that one girl and having that conversation led you to that opportunity. I mean, it was kind of an accident to like meet and come like cross paths with that woman. But what a blessing. Yeah. That was really nice for her to do. Yeah, that's really great to find, like, you know, just random people who, like, advocate for the success of others. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, she definitely saw the potential that you had. And it's it's really great that she was able to, you know, connect you with the right people. And that's honestly – I love to talk about networking and, the like, the potential of networking and just meeting the right people at the right time or knowing how to advocate for yourself. And I know that's something that we will continue to talk about but throughout this episode – but is that sort of what motivated you to start your podcast, the Tech Unlocked podcast? Kind of talk about your experience and, um, you know, share share the technology side of your journey. So for me, I think there are a lot of things that attributed me to like starting the podcast. I think one of the things was for me, even as someone who had a computer science degree, there's so much I didn't know about the industry, right? And there's always so much you can learn from school. And when I started my job at Microsoft, I did a lot of speaking, you know, like colleges and events, and I would get the same question of like, okay, what is it? How does it feel like to be a black woman in tech? Do you enjoy working at your company? How, how can I get in? How can I prep for like interviews? What other position existed? And so instead of me DMing people one off, like I'm just kind of like, okay, how can I create a platform, right, that I can have these conversations and also, like, demystify certain fields that exist within tech. And I think it was also a two-way street because I also wanted to learn, right? I'm someone who's, like, early. I would still consider myself early in career. Um, but, like, how can I share this information with others? And there was a lot of imposter syndrome that came with it because I'm like, if I start a podcast, who's going to listen? Like, it's not like I'm some VP or some senior person within the company with X amount of experience, um, but the, I think the more that I procrastinated, the more I thought about it, I just felt like, you know, it's more about the people that I want to help. So I kind of put aside my own 
fears and whatnot because I'm like, I don't want to carry my voice and all these insecurities, right, that came up as excuses. But then I'm like, oh, no, there are a lot of people who actually want to join the tech industry, especially a lot of um, people of color and women of color. Um, and so I was like, hey, like, let me just create this platform where I interview people and just share as I'm growing and share as I'm learning. I think that people found value in that because they could relate um, to maybe starting from something or not knowing and then getting into it. And I've also used it as a tool to network and meet people across different companies, different industries and different roles. And so it's been a great tool. Um, and I've heard feedback from people who, like I said, were coming from non-traditional backgrounds and being able to go on, like, go on the podcast and listen to an episode to see how their skills transfer, which is something I love talking about, transferable skills, because to be honest, tech can be intimidating. Like people are like, oh, I don't know how to code, so I can be in tech. And that's where they stop. And like, oh, there's like yeah. literally hundreds and thousands of jobs that doesn't involve coding. Um, and so trying to change that narrative, um, obviously it's great to know how to code. It's great to be an engineer. Like I'm one and like, I, I will always advocate for that. Um, but there's space for everyone. It just takes looking at the right job, job or career and just talking to the right people to see what fits you as an individual. Yeah, and I think that's so important. And you like you mentioned, like everything in the tech industry is moving so fast that it's always good to keep up to date and then also learning more about the different types of careers that are in the tech industry because I think that it is kind of a mystery when mm-hmm. it comes to, the, you know, the different career opportunities and how you can really get involved if you're not necessarily a, you know, software engineer or coder so i love that you have the tech unlock podcast i've been listening to it and i feel like it's really helpful i know you touched a little bit about being a woman of color and i was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about what your experience has been like as a first generation nigerian american woman in tech yeah i mean it's been a lot (laughs) Um, cause I feel like growing up, like you grow up with people who maybe sometimes look like you and you're not submersed by a lot of differences, but definitely grew up with the worldview and whatnot. But going to school in Texas, you were surrounded with like a lot of diversity, a lot of different types of people and culture. Um, and then moving to Seattle, oh my gosh, moving into Seattle, first of all, I'm like, okay, where are all the black people? Um, and just the cultural difference and the nuances. And then on top of that, we're working in tech and being, uh, like, what is it? I think only 4% of, the only 4% of black women in tech. Um, and just really always being reminded that you are different or that you are the minority. And for me, I'm like, okay, cool. Like, no matter how much I try to get that out of my head, it's always still in the back of my mind, especially when I step into spaces and I see, oh, like, I'm the only one. I'm like, okay, that takes up cognitive, like, space. Um, and so for me, I think finding community was very important to me um, when moving into, like, Seattle and even working at Microsoft. So joining groups like Blacks at Microsoft is definitely really helpful. Um, volunteering my time um, to other groups or sharing my knowledge is really helpful. Um, and I think just being brave and navigating things and not being certain about things. Cause like I said, for me, I was like the first one to graduate college in America. So it wasn't like, oh, I had like my parents or my uncle to like ask questions about little nuances within corporate America. Uh, so it was more about like learning and also sharing my experience. So there's a lot of learning involved. And I think that it comes with a territory of tech because 
like you mentioned, like tech moves so fast. Like every so often, like what is it now? September, the iPhone 13 is available. Like <laughs> there's always a new yeah. update or a new upgrade. <laughs> Uh, yep. And so I never discourage anyone from joining tech, but I'm like, if you don't like change, tech might not be it for you because this thing is always changing and always evolving, which I think is the fun part about this. Um, but there's definitely been a lot of resilience in learning and in growing um, for me personally as a first gen um, grad. Yeah, I know. I feel like sometimes we can't even keep up with technology. I can't imagine what it is to like actually work like creating it <laughs> it's like oh i'm done creating this one thing like here comes the next thing, yeah. and it's like constantly <laughs> so true. i know it's like constantly changing but i mean you pointed out something really interesting that i think how how much cognitive space it really takes when you start being more aware that okay you're like the only person like the only woman in the room that's um of color and how much i think the media has increased the, I guess, the talk about it. Like, I love that we're talking about it, but sometimes I think the language of like, oh, that we're minorities, it really can get into like some people's heads and really just make you a little less confident when you're walking into a room. So I think, I mean, it's it really gets to your head, but I love that we're kind of like trailblazing that way and creating and increasing, like working towards increasing representation. So yeah, it's always to like have that awareness, but I don't like when people like when it really like it starts affecting people. That's like the first thing that they notice. Yeah. Um, And it's not anything that you are. I would say like I obviously in class, you're aware of that. Like you notice that. But once you like leave your class and step onto campus, it's like, oh, okay, cool. I can hang out with my friends and it's it's different. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's like in the workspace. I know for me, you have, it was one of those things where I was like, okay, for most, some of my coworkers, I was the first black person they were working with. And so there's oh. that kind of like, oh, okay. Like, I don't want to be the representation for all my race, but it's like whatever I That's, do or how yeah. I interact with them is the perception they will have about other people because they haven't exposed themselves to either communities. And so there's kind of like a weird dichotomy happening where it's like okay cool like we're working on this or this project or all that kind of stuff but I know that how I bring myself and how I show up will be a way people might look at other black people and so it's something that like you never go in and be like oh like I'm here to represent every black woman or whatever (laughs) um and and yeah it's like oh this is what it's like to work with a black woman like at the end of the day it's like you're your unique person you can bring in your personality and Yes, it's different and it's great that I guess they're getting the experience of finally working in a diverse like group, quote unquote, Setting. I guess diverse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> good for them. <laughs> but yeah, it's like not our job <laughs> yeah. to, you know, carry carry that representation and you know So would you yeah. say you feel that pressure like at work in uh, work situations where you are the minority? Yeah, I know a lot of people don't like the time minority because it's only in the context of maybe tech or even America and other parts of the world and world general. Like, we're not the minority, mm-hmm. we are the majority, speaking of, like, black people or people of, co- people of color. But, yeah, there is, you know, you're taking up space of, like, okay, cool, like, I don't want to mess this up because, you know, like, I don't want people to think that black people are this way. I don't want to overreact because I don't want people to think, like, all black people are, quote, unquote. And it's so funny because, like, Chad walks in and he's not thinking about that. 
And Chad is like a hypothetical white person. Like Mm -hmm. they're not thinking about, oh, I don't want to seem whatever. They're just coming to work and doing whatever because the system is. That's what the norm. That's what the norm is. And so that's what the system has set as their norm. Yeah. So we just, yeah. And we think about it and they don't. And it's not to anybody's like quote unquote fault, but I'm like, okay. And at some point I have to say this, like you do have to move past that in a sense. And that's when, you're comfortable yep. in your own skin and the work that you do, um, and it does take time because sometimes you're either battling, obviously, a pasta syndrome, and then after a while, like, either just happy to be here syndrome where you don't want to rock the boat because you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm making good money. You know, I'm living my parents' immigrant's dream. I'm doing well. Like, <laughs> I don't want to cause a yeah. rocket. But it's like, at the end of the day, you have to, like, prioritize your yourself and say, okay, am I growing on this team? Am I doing good work? Am I making great impact? And kind of leave those things behind that are not serving you or that are not making you grow as an individual. But it does take time. Yeah, for sure. And showing up, you know, authentically as yourself and finding your voice and that confidence. Like sometimes that takes a little bit more time. And yeah, I definitely agree. Yeah. So talking about the workplace and tech moving so fast, <laughs> uh, we're kind of going through the fourth industrial revolution coming up with the fifth we're talking about like ai and inclusion with like more of the tech and machines and human interaction there's this term that we talked about that's you know future proving your career what does the future of work look like to you yeah so there are different things um that comes to mind with that. And I think I'll just share maybe my top three or top five. I think the first thing that we've seen, even post-COVID, you know, with the future of work is obviously hybrid workplaces and remote work. I think a company that doesn't embrace that change will definitely get left behind because we're seeing people quit their job at like record speed um, if they're not able to work remotely because it's been well, almost two years now with COVID. A lot of people have found ways to adapt um, to the remote culture. And so I think that's something that a lot of employers are going to kind of implement, even to remain competitive when offering job roles and whatnot. Um, and I think moving forward, I think mental health is going to be prioritized by a lot of people. Because um, I think obviously during COVID, a lot of people had time to think and reflect about what's important to them, right? And it's showing that, you know, if yeah. things happen to you, guess what? Your job is still going to be there. You know, they're going to move on with that, with or without you. And so prioritizing your health, your mental health is definitely going to be key. And I think a lot of employers also realizing the same thing about talking about it and giving people space to either take time off. I know in my company, we had extra like five days to take off for our mental health. And initially, no one was taking those days off because just kind of like, oh, my there's work to be done, but then once we saw like senior leadership taking time off or our manager taking time off, it kind of gave people like the the freedom to do so, which was really amazing and cool to see, which I have never seen, honestly. Um, and then I think when it comes to like career-wise, I think there's going to be a lot of flexibility, which requires taking ownership of your career. I think gone are the days where you're just going to like wait for your manager to quote-unquote promote you or to like make you visible or things like that now that we are in a more virtual setting I think as individuals being able to self-advocate and making yourself visible learning that skill is going to be so important because 
like we're talking right now, but it's virtually uh, a lot of work is being done virtually. And so finding ways to either connect with your team or to your manager or even building your personal brand is going to be key to growing your career, which I think a lot of people it's going to take a while for that switch to happen mentally and saying like, hey, okay, like I've been working on this project, but nobody really knows what I'm doing, but being able to set up either like meetings or presentation and like, hey team, I'm going to show what I'm working on or I would love to collaborate um, just so that people know what you're doing, you know, because if we're in the office, you can talk about it by the water cooler and the bathroom, the cafeteria, like, there's all these different touch points that has literally disappeared by remote working. Um, so I think that's going to be key in order for people to future-proof their career and keep growing and being um, competitive. So those are a few things that comes to to mind. And I think, honestly, like the number one thing when it comes to future-proofing your career is to having an online presence. Like I think that people just think about influencers <laughs> when I say that. And it's like, no, like I, I think mm-hmm. that content creation, it's called the passion economy or the creator economy. It's going to be so important because I, I feel like gone are the days that people just have one stream of income i think multiple streams of income is going to be normalized and it is where you see someone who has a youtube channel but they also have like an affiliate amazon thing um and they have a blog post or they have a podcast and i think that that is going to be normalized in the future and as a way for people to even grow their personal brand and and what they do and who they are um to create opportunity for themselves and i would really love to see more women of color, like taking up that courage to either, you know, share their experiences and create their own voice with everything that's happening in the world right now. So that's why it's very amazing. And it's like an amazing experience to be here on this podcast chatting with you all, because this is so needed sharing stories like ours, like not a lot of people are doing this, like creating the space for conversation like this. And so this is literally pure gold. Uh, And yeah, I'm honored and excited to be on here. Yeah, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I think everyone that we've had on the podcast so far is doing something other than engineering, whether like some sort of side hustle, mm-hmm. whether that's YouTube, podcasts like you and us, <laughs> and blog posts. There's so much. So I, I definitely see um, and agree with you know what you're saying about it's going to be more of a normal thing to have multiple streams of income because we're already seeing that now with us. It really is. And I think we're going to, what we're also doing is just increasing the representation that, you know, that comes with our experiences mm-hmm. um, by putting it online. And that comes with, you know, career ownership and, you know, um, yeah, taking taking ownership of uh, not just your life and your career, but really how you want your future to look like, because it's like you're putting your experiences out there and you're sharing what you're learning. And it's like, okay, you're taking part of this creator economy now and contributing to, you know, the the growth of all the information that's that's being gathered as we continue to like go into this like data driven is it industry world, world? <laughs> society. <laughs> society. Yeah. Yes. It's like it's it's all kind of all tied together, which is crazy to think about how all of these little points are connected. But I mean, it's yeah, it's really cool to see. Yeah, I think one more thing to add in going to, I guess, the future of work is that more people are going to look for jobs that align with their value and their purpose. Because 
I search it on YouTube. There's so many people that say, oh, this is why I quit my engine, like my six-figure engineering jobs and whatnot. Like So common. I, I think that obviously money is important and all that kind of <laughs> stuff. But after spending a year or so, like either if you're by yourself or your family, it gives you a lot of time to think and reflect. Like, what do I really want out of life right now? Um, and I think a lot of people are saying that, okay, they actually want to work on something that is fulfilling or is filled with some type of purpose. Because I don't necessarily believe that you need to be passionate about something like chase your passion. I think it's cool because, you know, but I don't think that lasts a long time. I think chasing your purpose is more important than chasing your passion because even if you're not quote unquote passionate about it, you know that, okay, I'm actually helping people. I'm creating something that would be long lasting or things like that. And so I think a lot of people are just kind of like realigning their values with the work that they do because if you're doing something that's not fulfilling over time, even the money would fulfill you or make you feel, uh, you know, like you're moving forward. And so it's been interesting to see a lot of millennials or even Gen Z folks be like, hey, like I want to work with something that has some type of impact with the world. And some people may say, oh, that's dumb or that's foolish. But I'm like, if you're young and you can take that, you know, calculated risk, why not? I know other people, if you have kids and a mortgage, that's different. Sorry. <laughs> but um, for people maybe like us or much younger, it's like, why not try something different? Why not try something new? Um, and so that's another shift that I'm seeing with people trying to get jobs and working careers or industries that align with their value and the purpose. Yeah, I will 100% emphasize what you're saying with like passion and like purpose. It's such a huge difference when you're pursuing or, you know, like doing something with intention, like living your life intentionally and following that purpose. Because I feel like sometimes we can even confuse like passion with the things that we like. And those passions like die. But when you feel aligned Mm -hmm. with like your purpose and your values and the intentions, that's where a lot of like, um discipline will also follow yeah and that's like the one thing that i love seeing or that i think comes from like so many people quitting their their jobs even if they're like six-figure jobs and even if it brings some stability it's like what is really like what is actually fulfilling me Mm. what is giving me that intention and fulfilling my my purpose that makes me feel alive and when you feel when you have that feeling inside that's what ends up like firing you and what ends up helping you deliver like quality work and really like good results that at the end of the day just lead to you know having a great impact and it's beautiful to see like I love seeing people like finish or like create something that has like impact out of like love and intention and excitement I honestly love seeing that so I love this shift (laughs) yeah and it's if you look at it it's beneficial to to employers in a sense because now you don't really have zombies working for you you have people who are awake and alert sorry i don't maybe the word zombies is too extreme but like people who are just like going through the motions yeah. um you have people who are like coming yeah. to work intentionally they're loving what they do or they're finding it to um fulfill them in some shape or some form and they're going to create things uh, like more valuable and not feel like oh i'm obligated and whatnot so um yeah it's really interesting to see how things you know turn out with this shift or this move happening Yeah, and I also love seeing how different people are able to kind of fulfill their purpose in different ways. And I feel like it's unique to everyone. And it's so different from I feel like when you're, uh, you know, first generation or second generation from our parents, right? Because Mm -hmm. our parents are 
they're they come here and they need to survive and they do the nine to five job sometimes more hours than nine to five often to make ends meet and you know i feel like as first generations and second generation americans we have the opportunity to look outside of that and now know that okay yes we can have the stability but what really fulfills that passion and seeing how that action is taken is i i've always interested on seeing like how do different people follow their purpose in their career and make a living off of it as well yeah i think that's a good point because i think that we're in an inflection point of like you know having conversation with other people like for me being you know a daughter of an immigrant like i don't think for my dad moving to America and like working and starting from scratch, like he was passionate about that. Like, it's like, no, like <laughs> you wanted to create a different opportunity for your family and for your kids. And I'm, I think I'm in the points where like my reality are the dreams of my parents, right? Where it's like, hey, I want my kids to be able to be stable, financially stable, um, being in a place of opportunity. Um, and now it's on me to dream for the next generation, right? Like people that are coming after me, even it's for my siblings, for my future kids or things like that. And it's a different world altogether because we're talking about remote working, there's AI, there's all these different things. And it, it's kind of hard because you're like, wow, like I have a lot of choices in a sense. Um, but it yeah. definitely it's a <laughs> privilege that we've earned because we've worked hard for where we're at. But it's also a unique place to be in where we get to create our future, right? We're not waiting for someone else to be like, hey, do this thing. It's like, oh, well, for the first time, I feel like the, the ball is in my court and I can like directed anywhere else and there's a lot of uncertainty that comes with that because you're like wow like this is different you know like yeah your parents yeah. give you advice but the world that we're living in is drastically different from the world that they grew up in um and so it takes a lot of courage to obviously move forward and live with intention which is so needed right now agreed yes. agreed so much <laughs> totally <laughs> yeah so you talk about purpose uh, you know, finding your purpose versus your passion. But what are some things that give you purpose and fulfill you outside of your job? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of things. I think for me, obviously, like family is like number one. Um, and I mean, like for me personally, I'm a Christian and believer. So that is number one, my faith, my family, like I think that I wouldn't be where I am without their sacrifices, right. And so I think that looking at my career or my life I'm like wow okay how can I create opportunities for the people coming you know behind me um like the first daughter and so I have like three younger siblings um and and so I, I think for me now like knowing how hard things were for me I I feel like if I can make it easier for someone going through that same process I will and that's why like I constantly share what I'm learning I'm creating the podcast, giving back to people. And it's not just from a, how do I put it? Like, oh, like give back to feel good kind of way. But I feel like a social responsibility because I do feel like there's a lot of things that people don't know. Like it's funny, every time I tell people like, oh, or like I'm an engineer. What? No, like, oh my gosh, you must be so smart. And I'm like, yeah, like, I'm, yeah, I'm not going to deny that. But I'm like, yeah, but like, I mean, I guess. Really, yeah, I, I, guess. Was like, I was like, you don't sure. have <laughs> I'm like, you don't have to be, you know, quote unquote, smart to, you know, be in the industry and whatnot. And also looking at, you know, the 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 wealth gap and, you know, the pay gap and all these different things are around the world or that's happening within our society. I'm like, wow, like if we had more women, more black women, more people of color within 
this industry, it's a great way to build wealth, generational wealth, you know? And so I think that for me, that gives me a drive of like saying like, hey, like if I knew about this earlier or if my, you know, like people that I know um, knew about this earlier, I think that they would have either gotten a career in tech or uh, I'm not saying that everybody needs to like work for a company because I know there are people who are against the nine to five. I don't know why, uh, but showing that you can earn, you know, a, a living or a wage that uh, can help you build wealth and, you know, pay off debt and things like that if done the right way. Um, and so I think for me right now, purpose is purpose for me looks like creating opportunities for others. That's what it looks like, right? With everything that I have available to me, like I said, I'm not waiting. Because I think for me, I used to believe or I have to achieve a certain level of success. And some people will say, oh yeah, you work at this company, you're serious, successful. I'm like, okay, cool. It's all about perspective. Uh, but knowing that where I'm at, I think even as individuals, like where I'm at, like where you guys are at, like you can always help someone with what you already know, right? Because at the end of the day, you're an expert on your own lived experience. You don't have to wait till you're an expert in X, Y, and Z. Um, so also challenging people's perspective of like, yeah, like, guess what? If you graduated like college, that's something that you can share because a lot of people are in high school, like struggling and trying to figure out if they're ever going to make it through high school. So any little bit that you know goes a long way. Or if you're an immigrant and you made it to them, like to the States or whatever, like that's something that you can share about your journey and things like that. And so getting people to say like, hey, like whatever you know or wherever you're at in your life, like that's something that can always be helpful to somebody else, you know, and not waiting till you become a millionaire or all those things that people count as success. But that's just my perspective. I love your perspective and I love that we just capture that on the podcast and that people are going to be <laughs> listening to it. <laughs> no, I totally agree. And this is really exciting. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I can't even add anything else because you put it so well. Would you want to elaborate on any future plans um, that you might uh, have coming up? I know you mentioned like um, helping others and uplifting others is definitely part of your purpose. Um, but is there anything that our, our listeners should be on the lookout for? Um, yeah. So usually yearly I have like, um, well, I started last year, so I wouldn't say yearly, um, a technological scholarship fund for, um, folks who are studying computer science. Cause even though I know that college is not for everyone, um, and some people feel like it's a scam. I do feel like it's something that is needed for people who are underrepresented because I wouldn't be where I was, where I am today without having a college degree. Let's be frank. I know people have different opinions about this topic, but I, I usually tell people like, hey, like if you can't afford it or go to community college, like it's better to have a degree and not need it than to need it and not have it because the system rewards what the system provides, you know? And so if you're un- underrepresented, like, please get educated because it opens room for internships, apprenticeships, like scholarships and things like that. And so I've seen how, you know, like I said, the system rewards certain paths and things like that. But by all means, if you have a different passion, a different, you know, goal or purpose, you know, do your own thing. Um, but we usually like technological scholarship coming up. So be on the lookout for that. Um, and I think for the future, like in the future, I'd like to have a nonprofit arm of the podcast so we can definitely give up more money in scholarships and funds and, and things like that. But also looking to collaborate with people. I'm looking to hopefully do a college tour soon of just sharing like the information that I've shared today, like on the podcast with about career, future of work and things like that. And so if you're listening and you're at university and want me to come speak, 
let me know. I'm more than happy to do that. But yeah, I sort of that. I think for me, just communicating and collaborating with amazing people like you guys, you ladies. Oh, I love that. that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, I would, I want to emphasize again your words of learning the system. I think it's such a powerful tool or like a powerful mindset to have that, okay, mm-hmm. yes, we have all these flaws in the system and we're working towards changing them. But the sooner you're able to familiarize yourself with how things work is how yeah. you're able to like, re- I, I like to call it reverse engineer your life, to be mm-hmm. honest, because it's like, okay, you learn how to be your most authentic self, but also learn how to use that to your advantage to thrive in this type of society or system that we have in place. And the only way to do that is by actually knowing the game. Mm-hmm. And I mean, yes, we're working towards changing things because it's, it's definitely flawed. But I mean, you got to take advantage of what you got at the moment. So that's great advice that you gave. Yeah, yeah, I love everything that you shared, Grace. Sorry, you were saying something? No, no, I was just agreeing with what I said. I think taking advantage, especially like living in the West world or even in America where it's kind of like, yeah, like I, I know, you know, people who are, you know, around me or close to me where it's like, they're great at what they do, but it's hard for them to either get promoted or whatever it is because they don't have a college degree. Um, and I, I do feel like tech might be a bit different because we do hire people who don't have college degrees um, because it's just proven on just if you know how to code and the projects you've worked on. So there's definitely improvement in that area. But when it comes to advancement or even just, you know, how your colleagues may even perceive you, like, I'm sorry, like, they still look at that paper, like, you got it or you don't, you know, and if the more you do, it's like, okay, you have a PhD, you're, you know, XYZ. And obviously, I don't think that, you know, just the paper equates education, because there are people who go to school, and they learn nothing. And it's like, it's a waste of time. Um, But it's all about, you know, perspective and how you look at it. So there's definitely some advantages and disadvantages to how, you know, the current educational system is set up. Agreed. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Grace, for blessing us uh, with your presence on this <laughs> podcast. I feel like we had an amazing discussion and learned a lot from you. So, yeah, tell us where our listeners can connect with you online. Yeah, so you can definitely reach out or connect on LinkedIn, Grace McJones and MAC Jones for my last name. I'm also on Instagram and Twitter. And if you want to learn more about the podcast, it's Tuck Unlock Pod on Twitter and on Instagram. So, yeah. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us. And honestly, it's been a pleasure meeting you. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. This was such a fun discussion. And I hope that people were able to take something um, from our conversation. Okay, everyone, that was it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, if you enjoyed the episode, don't forget to leave us a review, share it with your friends. And if you're able to, you can also support us by leaving a small donation at anchor.fm slash engineering gals. We'll talk to you next Monday. Bye.